Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Devraga Personal Finance, episode 49. In this episode, we'll discuss the concept of leverage versus margin, what are the differences, what are the similarities, and what are the pros and cons of these concepts and how you can use it in your personal finance to amplify your returns. Now, if you've been listening to my podcast episodes, you know what the motto is. It's all about pay yourself first. Try and save up to 20% of your after-tax income and pay that money to yourself, invest it, put it away right from the top, and always reinvest the dividends. Make sure you do this over the very long term. We're talking 20, 30, 40 years plus. And make sure you reinvest the dividends and keep doing it forever. And ideally, if you want to automate this process so that the investments and the savings happen automatically, then you're more likely to adhere to the plan and less likely to wander off and not Mm -hmm. adhere to the plan. Furthermore, if you did this, you're likely to have more wealth than you'd ever, ever imagined it to be. And the most important thing about wealth is it comes with responsibility, which means you can enjoy it for yourself, your family, but also use your wealth and have the ability to help the people around you. Now, remember, I'm not a financial advisor, um, so take whatever concepts that you learn from here. Feel free to apply in your own personal finances, but this is not specific financial advice because I don't know your personal financial situation. And I'm not a qualified personal financial advisor. If you want real advice, then go speak to a certified financial advisor so that they can tailor it specific to your personal needs. Now, before we get on to the main topic of this podcast, which is leverage versus margin, I wanted to talk to you about a comment that I received recently. It's an anonymous comment. So as you know, I would always respect the privacy of the person, particularly when it comes to finances. But this person Basically, uh, during the conversation, we discussed about, you know, what their financial goals are, etc. Just a bit of a candid discussion. And they did say to me that they had $400,000 sitting in their bank account um, in the savings account. Now, this person doesn't have any consumer debt. They don't have a personal home that they own outright. They don't have any investments or investment properties. They've got $400,000, which is a whole lot of money sitting in their bank account, and they've acknowledged that this is probably earning them interest less than 1%. So my sort of advice to people like that is essentially the purchasing power of that money will continue to lose over time because of inflation. So basically every year, the money that is sitting on the bank is going to be able to buy less products for you because of inflation. And I've talked about inflation in my previous podcast episodes. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. And my sort of advice is that is a very bad strategy. Putting money in a bank account and just letting it sit there is not a good strategy for the long term because that money is going to lose value over time. So if you've got consumer debts, I maintain you must. Um, you must pay off the consumer debts. Consumer debts is bad. 
If you've got a mortgage, then you've got to take that money and offset it against the mortgage so that you reduce your interest because you're going to earn, um, you know, the, the interest reduction that you're going to have on the mortgage is basically tax-free earnings on that money. And whatever leftover money that you have once you've done those two and you've got the emergency fund sorted, you've got your three to six months emergency fund sorted and the $1,000 emergency fund, whatever money that you have left over, you need to invest you need to do it. You need to contribute to that investment and make sure you contribute, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Now, this particular person was in their early 30s. So obviously they have showed that they can save money. Saving money is not the problem for them, but they're finding it very difficult to optimize their investments. And in fact, they've got no investments. So essentially, they have lost money all these years that they've saved money because had they invested throughout the whole sort of X amount of years, so I think they've been doing this for over 10 years, that's a great savings rate, they're probably likely to have had more than $400,000 in equity or value or investments in their life. So if you're aiming to save money, yes. If you're aiming to put it in a bank account for the long term, then no. Um, so make sure that uh, you need to pay off your debts, save that money, invest it and reinvest the dividends and do it for the long term and ultimately automate the process. So let's get on to the main topics, which is leverage versus margin. So what is leverage? It just means you will use borrowed money, also called borrowed capital, to invest it into other things, which hopefully will provide an increased return, even accounting for the interest costs of the borrowed money. Now, when you think about what a lever is, or a lever, as they pronounce it in North America, it's basically an instrument, like a crowbar, for example, which can be used to move an object from one end to the other, which amplifies one's strengths to move that object. So essentially, in financial terms, you're using a financial instrument to try and make it easier for you to invest and hopefully have greater returns than what you would have otherwise had without that leverage. So what you're trying to really do with leverage is using borrowed money, you're trying to amplify your returns. So when someone says, I am highly leveraged or my company is highly leveraged, what they're meaning to say to you is that the person or the company has more debt than equity in those assets. So if it's a company, it just means the company has more debt than what it has in equity. So what is equity? Very briefly, equity is, let's take a family home, for example. If you have a family home worth $500,000, and your debt on that home is $100,000, the equity is $400,000. Now, if you have the same family home that's worth $500,000, but your debt on it is $700,000, then you've got a negative equity. The house is not worth what you actually paid for it. So you've got a negative equity of $200,000. That is bad, that is dangerous, and that is basically what equity is, okay? So let's use an example to you know, highlight the benefits of leverage and how it can affect you in your personal finance. Supposing you're running a lemon juice business um, and you're currently operating on your street corner. Business is okay, but it's not beaming. Um, so it's not doing too great, but it's not actually failing. So it's got a lot of potential. You've identified that you can sell more lemon juices uh, provided you can borrow some money. You're not profitable yet, so you're not making a loss, but you're not making any profit. Um, so your P&L statement is neutral, but clearly you think there is a potential to improve the business, make more money by selling more lemon juice, especially during the school holidays or Christmas or Easter or whatever it is, okay? So your options are these. You can either work extra in another job to so get a second job 
and earn extra money to invest in the lemon juice business. So maybe you want to, you know, you can't really sell lemon juices after, you know, after dark. So maybe you want to deliver some pizzas or drive an Uber or whatever and make some extra cash and take that money and invest in your lemon juice business. That's always a great option, which means you're not actually borrowing any money. The second option is you can go to the bank or maybe if you're young, go to your parents and say, hey, look, my business, my lemon juice business is doing well. It's not profitable yet. So I'll give you that. But here is the potential of profits which can be generated. Can you please lend me some money? Now, if you went to the bank, they're going to ask you a whole heap of questions. You're going to have to do an application, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Now, the bank or parent then says, ah, that looks good to me. I will lend you maybe $500 at an interest rate of about 5% per annum. Okay. Now, hopefully your parents won't charge you interest, but really, let's let's use a realistic example of a bank, okay? So you use that $500 of uh, borrowed capital from the bank to do one of many things. You can open another lemon stand at another location and hire another staff member to sell lemon juice, uh, or you can just buy more lemons at a reduced cost uh, because you're buying a lot more lemons and maybe invest in an automated lemon juice uh, machine. Uh, maybe a lemon juicer. So you can sell more lemon juice per unit time. Those are your options, okay? Now, this would work if you can make more profit from investing that borrowed capital. For example, the $500 already borrowed from the bank. Remember, you need to pay 5% interest per annum on that. So per year, that works out to be about $25 in interest. So it would work if you make more profit from investing borrowed capital to make the business larger, such that the profits can now exceed the cost of the borrowed capital. The cost of the borrowed capital is the principal plus the interest that you have to pay on the borrowed capital, which is 5% per annum. So in other words, if you borrow that $500 and invest it and generate more profit, your profit must cover the principal that you've borrowed plus the interest. In other words, you've got to cover after one year, $525 of expenses, plus all these other fees, etc. for the loan. So let's, let's not make it complicated. Let's make it relatively simple. You need to make enough profit to generate 500 bucks in principal payments for the loan, plus the $25 that they've charged you for the interest at the end of the year. So in other words, uh, you know, otherwise, if you don't do that, you're actually making a loss. You've borrowed money and you can't pay it back and you can't even make that 25% uh, sorry, that, that $25 in profit, uh, uh, sorry, $25 in interest payments. If you can't even make that in profit, forget about the principal, you're actually losing money. Okay. Now you can see this, um, uh, how this can work in your favor. So essentially you can, you can sell loads of lemon juice to customers by taking that $500 and investing it in a juicer and buying more lemons or opening up other locations, particularly during those peak times, particularly during Christmas or, or Easter or, or, or school holidays or et cetera, et cetera, along weekends, for example. Okay. Now you can also see another way. Supposing you do this, and you're planning something for the long weekend or for the Easter holidays, whatever, then there's a massive storm or it's a very, very wet and rainy long weekend or a holiday period. Your lemon stand is unlikely going to get customers because, you know, in a wet and windy season, who's going to come and buy lemon juice from you? So due to bad weather, you're not going to get as many customers. And as a result, you've borrowed money and your leveraging strategy just goes down the drain. In other words, if your lemon juice business was a company, you've now used leverage to try and increase your business turnover and therefore your profits, but you've also taken a risk because if the weather goes bad, then your lemon juice you know, company may not be doing very well because you're not going to get many customers and they borrowed all this money 
and you've actually had to pay interest on it and you're just not generating enough sales to meet the profits and the demand, okay? So is there any other way? Is there any other way that you can potentially, uh, you know, uh, try and avoid uh, try and avoid leverage? Well, yes, you know, companies can use stocks um, to raise capital. So let's use an example again. So instead of borrowing money, you can register your lemon business as a corporation and then start issuing shares in that company to potential investors. So you can say one share is 50 cents in the lemon juice company and have a thousand shares issued, which is the same as $500. And if investors want to, they will buy the share. Just like you go into the bank or your parents to convince them to invest and you know give you that borrowed money into your company so you can use that borrowed funds to increase profits, you need to do that to try and convince investors to actually buy shares at 50 cents a piece so that they can actually you know believe that your company is going to do well. So you need to do some convincing. You need to convince the investors, usually retail investors, so maybe your neighbors, maybe the local, um, you know, the, uh, you know, your friends, maybe other family members, your extended family members, uh, that it's a good idea. You need to convince them that it's a good idea to invest in a lemon stand business. More importantly, you need to convince them it's a good idea to invest in your lemon stand business. What sets that apart? There's also another way of raising capital rather than borrowing money. So by issuing shares, this is another way of raising capital. But the downside is, if you make a profit by issuing shares, because you've had so many different investors invest in your lemon stand business, you may need to share that profit with all the investors who've helped you grow your business. Now, this is called a dividend. Not all companies are required to pay a dividend from their profits. But if you don't, then the investors have to be convinced that investing in your lemon stand business is worthwhile over the long term, such that if they hold those shares for some time, then hopefully the value of those shares will go upwards from the original purchase price of 50 cents. So there are some investors who may say, well, why am I going to buy shares in this lemon stand business? Because you're going to share the profits with me unless the share price goes up over time. And of course, if your business and your structures and your moats, we talked about that before, is exemplary, then basically you've got a pretty good lemon stand business and investors would be foolish not to invest. So that's another way of raising funds. So let's revise the key points up until now. Point number one, leverage is the use of debt, borrowed money, to invest in your business or amplify your returns from an investment or a project. Companies can use leverage to finance their expansion rather than issuing stock. And by doing that, they can potentially amplify their profits. Point number two, individuals can indirectly use leverage by investing in businesses that use leverage to try and amplify their returns. So investors may not need to borrow money, but they can invest in companies and other businesses that borrow money, and thereby indirectly the investor is using leverage to amplify their returns. So is there any risks associated with the leverage? Of course there is. If you're going to borrow money, you are going to have to habitat some risk associated with it. Point number one, so what are the risks? Leverage can also result in borrowing too much money and the company not being able to service that debt and as a result, losing money. So leverage works both ways. It can amplify your losses as well. Now, this is a major risk. This is why I personally don't advocate to borrow money to invest all the time. Although the obvious hypocritical factor is borrowing money to buy an investment property, which I've done in the past. So yes, technically there is a level of hypocrisy here, but certainly not borrowing money to invest in shares. Okay, so borrowing money in general, try and avoid if you can. Um, Certainly not consumer debts. We've talked about it ad nauseum in the past, but certainly it's not something that I do to borrow money to invest in shares or invest in other businesses. 
I have borrowed money to invest in investment properties, of course. Um, So if leverage is the use of debt to amplify returns, then what is margin? Okay, well, this is commonly used interchangeably, particularly in the media, but they're not the same thing. Margin is when you borrow money in return to pay fixed interest costs and then use that money to invest in other financial instruments, i.e. you're not using it to expand your business, etc., buy property, etc., or expand business operations. You are using that money to try and invest in other financial instruments, okay? So um, point number three is hopefully if your borrowed money is used to invest in other financial instruments, those financial instruments make your money grow in value and um, and basically over time, you're going to make money by using that borrowed money to invest in those financial instruments, okay? So basically, remember, you still have to make more money than what the interest is charged on that margin loan. That's the key here. Just like you need to be able more money than that interest charged on the leveraged loan that you've just borrowed, okay? In other words, you can use margin to create leverage. Okay, that's a really important concept. So let's 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 look at this. Okay, let's let's use a real life example. Um, so you can use a margin loan, use that to invest in businesses or other financial instruments, of course, um, usually using in other financial instruments. And those businesses or those financial instruments you want to borrow money to invest in REITs, for example, those businesses can use borrowed money as well to create leverage, grow their business all in the hope of amplifying their returns. In other words, you've used margin to create leverage. I hope this clarifies, I beg your pardon, the difference between leverage and margin. Now, just on an aside uh, and a bit of a sidetrack here, if you are interested in TV shows, some years ago there was a TV show called Leverage. It was an American series about well-meaning thieves who try to get back at businesses who run it crookedly. I loved it. Look, it is a bit cheesy at times, but Google it, YouTube it, Um, If you can watch it on Netflix, I think it's great. Um, If you're into money, which I suppose you are listening to this podcast channel because you're interested in personal finance, it's well worth the watch. But that's more about corporate thievery. Now, let's go deeper into margin accounts. First of all, point number one, we are talking about um, margin accounts in terms of lending. We're not talking about profit margins or margins in general. This is when you buy a product and sell the same product to make a profit. That is a profit margin. That's not what I'm talking about. Margin, as discussed before, is when you borrow money to invest in other financial instruments, such as securities and stocks. To do that, you must have a margin brokerage account, not just a standard brokerage account. So there are some uh, brokerage accounts which are just normal. There are brokerage accounts which are margin brokerage accounts. So they're called margin lending accounts, okay? A margin account is basically a brokerage account which allows you to borrow money from the broker and you use that money to buy securities and other investments and stocks. And when you do this, it means the current securities you have is used as a collateral such that if anything happens and the investments go broke or you lose value in money, the broker will sell some of your securities to recoup their costs. Remember, margin loans are not interest-free. Okay, you have to pay interest. You still have to pay interest on your borrowings, just like going and borrowing a personal loan. Okay, otherwise, why would the broker lend you money? I mean, they're not in it to lose money. Now, you can see how the subtleties can be missed when comparing margin loans and leverage, but they are different concepts altogether. Just like how leverage can magnify your gains and losses, margins can also do the same thing. So be very aware that it's not all bed of roses. 
Look what happened, for example, during the GFC crisis, where people who were highly leveraged or had high margin loans lost a lot of money. Now, let's use an example to highlight some of the benefits and potentially some of the risks of margin loans, okay? Supposing you have $5,000 to invest and you want to invest in the Australian share market. Let's make it very simple. You can open a margin account and borrow another $5,000 on top of that. So the total money invested then becomes $10,000. The margin loan is $5,000 and your own money is $5,000. And the interest on that margin loan, let's say, is about 5%. Let's make things very simple. Now, this is a potential benefit of doing that. Number one, the total 10K that's invested may increase to $20,000. Now, this may happen over 12 months, and it's a bit unrealistic to have such a huge growth in 12 months, but let's bear with me. I'm just trying to highlight a point here. So you've now invested $10,000 of total money, which may increase to $20,000 in 12 months' time. Your total profit then becomes $10,000. Your total value then becomes $20,000. Now, out of the $20,000, you take $5,000 from that total value and pay off the margin loan of $5,000. And during the year, every month, you've paid interest on it, of course, leaving you with the remaining $15,000 left over. So you've just invested $5,000 of your own money. Granted, you've leveraged another $5,000. And at the end of the year, the market's gone up, you've paid off the margin loan, and you've ended up with $15,000 profit. That is the return of 200% from your original $5,000 investment. See how margin loan in this particular case has just completely amplified your, <coughs> beg your pardon, has completely amplified your returns. <coughs> beg your pardon. So you've just invested $5,000 of your own money and ended up with 15 grand and there you are, 200% uh, return and uh, you've just brilliantly used margin loans to make money. Now, the other option is not to borrow the money, so don't ever have a margin loan. Just invest the $5,000, and that becomes $10,000 after 12 months. Your return is still very good at 100%, but you only end up with a profit of $5,000, not the profit of 15K, or the total value is now only 10K, not 15K, okay? That's why margin loans can be very, very powerful when it comes to investing. Now, let's look at it another way, okay? The same 5K invested... And the 5K borrowed, the total investment is still $10,000. And after 12 months, the stock market crashes and the value just halves. So the total value is now only 5000 Okay, you've invested 10000 five of your own money, five from the borrowed money, and now the value is halved, which means the total value is only $5,000. Now, if you take $5,000 from the total value after the 12 months, because the prop, you know, the, not the property market, but your the ASX has crashed, and you pay off the margin loan that you've borrowed, which is $5,000, you have just lost all of your money. You've had 100% loss. And the interest on the margin loan as well, remember, you've got to pay that over the 12 months. So if you didn't borrow the money in the first place, your initial $5,000 in investment would have gone down to $2,500, which is only a 50% loss. You've gone from 100% loss from a margin loan to a 50% loss had you not had a margin loan. So that's why margin loans can be very powerful to make you a lot of money if everything goes well, but also make you lose a lot of money if you're not very careful. And that's exactly what happened with the GFC. People just borrowed so much money and everything just crashed and they had to make margin calls and pay all that money back and lost all their initial investments as well. Now, so what's the whole point of margin and leverage, okay? It's to use other people's money in return for paying a fixed interest on it to invest in businesses or securities to make more money. 
when it comes to risks as well as highlighted just before, um, you know, uh, that, that, that is the whole point about sort of margin versus leverage. The whole point is to make sure you use other people's money or the bank's money or whoever it is in return for paying a fixed interest on it to invest in businesses or securities or other financial instruments such that you can make more money. Hopefully, you will make more money if things go well, but if things don't go well, then you will lose money as well. Now, with it comes risks, okay? So, that's about it for episode number 49. Let's just you know summarize everything that we've learned in this episode. Point one, leverage refers to debt to amplify returns from an investment or project, expanding operations of an existing business, for example, or buying another asset to expand the business. Point number two, investors can use leverage to increase their buying power in the market. Point number three, companies can use leverage to finance their operating costs, expand their business, expand their assets instead of issuing more stock or securities, which is another way to raise money, to raise capital. The whole point of all this is to increase the company's value and therefore shareholder value as well. Point number four, investors who are worried to borrow money themselves can invest in businesses that do the same. That is, they can borrow, they can invest in businesses that borrow money, so they can indirectly use leverage to amplify their returns. Point number five, when leverage is definitely not risk-free, it means rather than amplifying your returns, you can actually make it worse and lose your borrowed money and be able to pay the interest on borrowing costs long-term. Point number six, on the other hand, is margin which is, uh, on the other hand, is still borrowing money, but now you're borrowing money to invest in other financial instruments, such as stocks, securities, options, derivatives, etc. You still need to pay interest on borrowed money. Same thing as leverage, you still need to pay interest on borrowed money, and the stocks hopefully will rise in value over time, but sometimes they fall. So therefore, buying on margin has its own set of risks associated with it, and you could amplify your returns as well, but you can also lose your investment or borrowed money as well. You need to have a margin account, uh, to to basically utilize margin as uh, uh, as a particular investing strategy as part of your brokerage account. Point number five, most importantly, leverage is not the same as margin. We've discussed that one uses debt to expand businesses, one uses debt to invest in other instruments, uh, financial instruments such as securities and stocks. And lastly, buying on margin usually is reserved for short-term investing, which I don't do anyway because I only invest for the long-term and not for the long-term investing. This is because the longer you hold an investment on margin, the greater the return needs to be to break even. So the longer you hold it, the more unlikely you are to turn a profit, if that makes any sense. Okay, so is borrowing money to invest a good thing? Now, this is where I put my little personal spin on it. I have learned that borrowing money in general is not a great thing. It's an overly generalistic statement, I know. But generally, if you've got the money to pay cash for things, just pay cash for things, especially consumer loans. It's just a terrible idea. Um, You know, consumer loans to buy stuff is not an investment. It's a losing proposition. So generally, what I've learned is if you just pay cash or use a credit card and pay it off immediately and just don't borrow money, you're likely to be safe and secure for the future. Now, borrowing money to invest in businesses, you know, may work out, um, but, uh, you know, you can leverage yourself to do this if you uh, if you're happy to borrow money to do that. It all depends on your risk profile. You know how much risk you're willing to take and how much risk you're not willing to take. This depends on the stage of your life. Okay, so it's a bit like when you were in their twenties, for example. You probably wanted to skydive, um, but my urge to skydive 
uh, now that I have, uh, you know, children and a wife, has dramatically fallen. In fact, my urge to do anything at risk, particularly with sports, is almost zero, you know, because the last thing I want to do is injure myself and jeopardize my income earning potential and jeopardize my retirement and therefore jeopardize my family's financial well-being. So, you know, I'm not saying leverage is bad. I'm not saying margin loan is bad. Generally, if you try and avoid borrowing money in general, you're safer financially. Now, like I said, it's not to say that leveraging a margin is a bad thing. It's just that I don't try and do it regularly. And the only thing I borrow money to invest has been in property. Um, and it, it's probably not something I will very often do in the future. For the sole fact that just recently, I had a phone call from one of my real estate agents who said, you know, something about the uh, uh, heater was broken or something in one of my investment properties. Now, I've never had my Vanguard portfolio ring me up uh, while I'm at work and say, Dev Raga, sorry, the heater's broken in your stock portfolio. It's never happened. And that's why I think over the long term, I'm switching gear a little bit. Yes, I have a few properties, but I'm going to be switching gear in terms of plowing money more money into um, you know passive investing index funds because index funds have never rung me at home on my mobile phone and said, look, the heat is broken. Sorry, we're going to have to deduct that money from the rent. Whereas that tends to happen with brick and mortar, which is your physical assets that you may have in property. I've found though, over the last 10 years, um, to consistently save money and invest it for the long term. In my example, it's the Australian share market, particularly in recent times, uh, and keep reinvesting those dividends, I found that strategy has just worked out pretty well over the last 10 years. So I'm very much a keep it simple kind of person, try not to complicate things because I found the simplest way to grow your wealth is just to save money and keep investing. And if you automate that process, you're going to be far more successful in the long term because you're going to more likely adhere to it. So keep investing for the long term. And I know that's pretty boring. I know it's very uncomplicated. It's not your trust funds or your corporations or this and that. It's not, you're not a trustee. Uh, you know, get, I find that if you just, if, if, you, if you earn a wage for a living, if, if you've got a job, just save money, just invest, keep it uncomplicated because, you know, that's what's going to, I find, reap your benefits in the long term. Now, if you're a business owner and you've got other, you know, financial instruments and you've got clever ways to reduce taxation and all that sort of stuff, then yeah, have a speak to your financial advisor or accountant who may be able to help out. But over the long term, you're likely to do well just by saving that 20% and reinvesting all the dividends and investing into, you know, various investments, whether it be property or stock portfolio. So that's leverage and margin. So in life, if you take risk, you're probably going to be rewarded a little bit more, although you need to go back and listen to my risk versus volatility episode because in that, you know, something that's volatile may not actually be risky in the long term. So if you extend your investing life, if you diversify and be a little bit careful about it, you may find that things that you perceive as volatile are actually not that volatile and not that risky to invest in the long term. So, this is episode 49, and in this episode, we've summarized leverage versus margin, and we've also talked about why having thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in your bank account sitting there doing nothing and not working for you is not a good idea. 
Now, like always, thank you very much for the Facebook comments and also the personal messages that I get. I'll try and get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, Obviously, if you're messaging in the middle of the night, then I won't do that. I'll do it the next morning. And keep those questions coming. And thank you very much for listening and supporting this podcast channel. And till next time, save 20%, invest, reinvest dividends, automate the process and make sure you do it for the long term and learn about leverage and learn about margin. I'm pretty sure a lot of listeners are actually using leverage as we speak, particularly for investments in properties, etc. So learn about it, educate yourself. Until next time, most importantly, stay safe. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 